Gods of war. May your boy. hands be mighty. Boy. 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 Welcome to another episode of Hidden Doors and High Scores, a podcast where four dudes talk about games. I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. I'm John. And I'm Chris. And today we are talking about God of War. I feel like I should clarify right off the bat that we were talking about God of War that came out in 2018, not the original. This game originally came out in 2018 on the PS4. It's the eighth God of War in the series and the direct sequel to God of War 3, although it is set several hundred years after that game ends it is an action adventure hack and slash game with some rpg elements in it in which you play kratos who in if you never played the first game is a spartan warrior killed his wife in the spartan rage thing that ends up being a mechanic in this game in the first game and then he kills Ares and becomes the god of war and then proceeds to just bloody his way through the rest of the greek pantheon and then at the end of god of war 3 i guess it is leaves and you don't know where he goes and then now he's in midgard home of the norse pantheon which is the first of many pretty significant differences in this game from the rest of the series as the first one without the greek pantheon in it right also there are hints in this game that at some point they may go to the Egyptian mythology. Yes, yes. It's clear that the series is going to go there, but I, I have a feeling they're going to do a trilogy with Norse mythology. Yeah, I think that's they, right. They did sort um, of write themselves into a corner with the killing every Greek god kind of thing. Exactly. Like, you got yeah. <laughs> to like, figure out somewhere new to go. I think he kills like almost all the titans as well, like, yeah. not just the gods. It's yeah. like, yeah, just, there was nothing left for him to do. So, God of War, published by Sony, developed by Santa Monica Studios. They've done all the God of War games, and then a bike racing game called Kinetica on the PS2. First game was released in 05. On the PS2. Wow. Okay. Anybody remembered that game? No. Oh yeah, no. my favorite. It's my favorite bike racing game. <laughs> <laughs> nope, never played it. Yeah, they did God of War 05. Two came out in 07 on the PS2. Now, the actual, like, sequels to the game to, like, continue storyline didn't come out until 2010 when God of War 3 came out. Obviously, they had, like, in-between games where they did some stuff. So they did, like, God of War Betrayal. They did Chains of Olympus. And then a collection came out in 2009. But uh, 2010 was three when 3 came out. Obviously, God of War 3 was uh, another fucking wow. rager that was massively popular. I really enjoyed the Norse theming, um, just like on a personal note, that's just Norse mythology has always been more interesting to me than Greek mythology. And I was ultra excited for that. And then like, I don't know if this is obvious off the bat, you find out later in the game, but that like first boss fight, that's like part of the tutorial thing. You fight Balder. And I was like, yeah. this is Balder. You're not supposed to know who he is, but I was like, this is Balder. This is so cool right now. Like I was very excited just from the jump doing that. Yeah, so you figured it out because of what you knew about Norse yeah, mythology. Yeah, I just have read Norse mythology and know, cool. you know, random facts about it. And I was like, yep, this guy can't feel pain. It's Baldur. This is so cool. Yep. I was very <laughs> excited. 
Yeah, so he's, yeah, it's a great start to the game. It's like the game basically starts and it like teaches you how to play. And then the first thing you do is you have to fight an invincible god who can't feel pain. Right. But it's cool because it like teaches you, you know, some of the significant differences in this game from the previous series is one, you you have a different weapon from the previous seven games, right? You don't have the, the blades that he has in the other games. You have this like magical axe that you can throw and and have it return it's like stuff, Thor's hammer, is, but it's an axe. yeah i don't yeah. know if you guys noticed very much but the camera angle really threw me off from previous god of war games it was third person like over the shoulder free camera thing is a thing that they hadn't really done before as far as i recall and it was not what i was expecting when i started this game up and it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit now the older god of wars they were more like a static distant kind of camera and this is like more like the camera's shaking with his movement like it feels really shaking when the world serpent starts talking Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it was just like it was just a little thing that they changed that that made a pretty significant difference in the gameplay at least at first and then i got used to it because it's closer to basically every other action like third person action adventure hack and slash sort of game yeah. And I was just like, okay, this is the same as that. I'm not having a problem with it anymore. But like expecting sort of like the cinematic camera thing that God of War used to have, it threw me th- for a loop. Not a, it was not a bad thing. It's just a just a change that they made in this game. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the camera work is fantastic in this game and there's some beautiful stuff to see in this game sure. and there are some moments that are cinematic as hell, especially yeah. in the boss fights. Sure. Yep. And the boss fights honestly have always been the best part of the God of War games yep, for me. Yep. There's the thing that their games do better than any other part of their games is like single combat, not even boss fights either, but like, like enemies that are just strong mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game, enemies that are a higher level than you, that are stronger than you, whatever, just feel really satisfying to like do one slash and then dodge out of the way because you can't block their stuff yet because you're not strong enough. And yeah, that was really just another excellent version of that in this game. And I'd say this game does a really good job of making everything feel like it has weight. Like when you throw the axe, the sounds, the hits of the axe is really hard. Anytime he like rips apart an enemy, everything just feels really brutal really in your face and they do such a good job to make it you feel completely powerful yeah i i think it's really i think i totally agree garrett everything in the game every aspect of the combat is like it's snappy and it feels like it has weight all the things you do feel like they interact with the enemies and the environment in a really satisfying crunchy way like there's nothing about this game where you feel like you're just whittling down a health bar like when you're hitting enemies they're like staggering backwards you feel strong you feel like you are a god of war Mm -hmm. and that is an important thing to have in a game called god of war the other thing about the other thing about not whittling down the health bar too is that like a large part of this game is intentionally not whittling down the health bar and doing the stun mechanic instead So that you can just do that, like, single, like, rip people apart move or whatever. It's significantly better on a lot of enemy types to put away your weapons and beat the shit out of them with your fists. Because it stuns them really fast. And then you can do these really awesome cinematic finishing moves. There's lots to say about the combat in this game. Yeah. I I would say one of the best things about this game is all the moves that you receive 
all are useful and you can learn how to use them to your advantage. It becomes really fun when you start to learn all those mechanics and you just put down an insane combo, block a shot, shoot it back at another guy, and you just feel amazing. You feel yeah. all powerful. And it's fair. This game is very yeah. fair in the way I feel like if I'm ever losing a battle, it's always my fault. It's always because I missed a timing window and they do a really good way of telegraphing moves like unblockable moves. They shine up red and then yellow shine makes it so that you can parry it. It's all very fair combat, but it's not easy starting out and you definitely have to learn what you're doing. Yeah, no, it's not easy. I mean, it's not like quite like Dark Souls-y, like super, super hard, but it's also not like Bayonetta where you're just like juggling enemies in the air for 10 minutes or Devil May Cry or something, right? Like the combat is crunchy and it's difficult, but it's not like, it's not like you die in two hits. It's not like super punishing. Eh, Maybe on God mode, maybe on God mode. I would say the, the parry window in this game is very forgiving. I was gonna that's what I was gonna say it's real generous yeah but also like that feels okay because when you're fighting 10 enemies at once and they're like all surrounding you like give me a little a little leeway on timing the attack perfectly with that guy over there behind me and to the left thank you so I I I quickly want to say that so there is a skill tree on this game you're eventually going to get the whole skill tree by the end of the game. It's not like you have to choose a path and you're never going to be able to get other moves for the most part. Yeah, yeah. You might not like 100% literally everything, but you'll have 85 or 90% of the skills. Exactly. And then there's a separate thing throughout the game that you find runic abilities, which are your special moves, and you get two special moves for each weapon. You, You have an axe, and then later in the game, you get the two chains. Um, blades of chaos blades of chaos it's just fun to use you don't have to build into these moves it's you get the move and now you can assign it and now you could just get to use the move it's not like you wasted a skill tree point and you just figure out what you like and it's i think that's a great style yeah the skill tree is more like it gives you more options but it's not like the special moves it's like now after you do a shield bash you can also like charge forward or like oh now when you like aim your axe at people you can target more targets or or the huge one you were talking about that you can parry bullets and shoot them back yeah which becomes extremely useful in the game (laughs) you need that skill you need it quickly it's very very good the atreus mechanic was interesting in the combat So we should say, like, in this game, you are Kratos and you've moved to Midgard, which we said, but, like, you have a child and you have a boy. And his Boy. And you say, boy, 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 come here, boy. All the time. It's, all the time. It's constant. Uh, and Atreus is, like, following you around and he helps you with combat. His arrows mostly do stun and do, ve- like, very little actual, like, damage. And and his bow also gets abilities. Like your right, yeah, attacks. He, they, yeah. he can summon different kind of animal forms in his arrows and they do different things. And it's just fun to play around with those. It, yeah, it's interesting because it's not something you're doing, but he's just like a support character. And then you tell him 
like when you want him to fire, which also is something that you build into your combat where you're on a streak and then you see a guy running up behind you and you're like, click, 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 Atreus, shoot that fucker. And yeah. you'll shoot him with an arrow and that'll like stagger the guy out of his attack. And it's, again, it's another little element of the game. And as you get good at it, it becomes part of the flow. Yeah, that was fun learning how to do. Cause, that, Cause at first I was like, I'm supposed to be controlling two characters at once and didn't really realize that he's, you're supposed to sort of, leave him to do his thing for the most part and only like tell him to fire every once in a while is probably the ideal way to do it not to get to like the end of the review and and you know ultimate opinions on the game but as far as like hack and slash games i think the combat in this game is the best i've ever played in a hack and slash yeah like i said i mean the the one-on-one combat is so satisfying in this game it's a thing that the god of war games have always done well and they just keep doing it better and better this is the first game that i played on the ps5 that really took advantage of the the controller except for like the game that came with it the what's it called like astro world or something like that that yeah. teaches uh, you like the playroom Astro yeah 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 that like is specifically designed to take advantage of all those features and show them to you this game was so cool when your controller just starts going freaking wild when there's this giant snake serpent thing coming out of the water and like staring at you and talking to you. It was so cool. So for the most part in this game, you meet like the greatest hits of Norse mythology. You meet Freya pretty much right off the bat, although you don't know she's Freya until later. The Witch of the Woods who lives in a turtle house which is cool spoiler alert <laughs> spoilers chris spoilers whatever dude it's impossible yeah, it's... to talk about this game without spoiling a little bit yeah. you meet a you meet a bunch of the non-god characters like the dwarves and stuff like that who aren't gods per se but like are well known in norse mythology you meet minor gods you meet major gods they are all honest in my opinion they're all really well represented really accurately represented i think that's a a thing that this game did really well, fidelity to the source material. There's like a significant thing where you'll just find these triptych paintings and they'll just like talk about Norse mythology when they when you open them up. Atreus knows all about Norse mythology, so he'll explain like, oh, this these are the wolves that chase the sun and the moon. And it's, uh, it's cool. They do a good job of that, but like they kind of had to, you know, because of the emotional... Like where this story goes emotionally and sort of like the heavier hitting moments, you really have to understand and internalize the relationships between characters within the Norse mythology or else it doesn't really, like it doesn't really Resonate. connect if yeah. it doesn't land. Those moments don't land if you don't understand that like, like Balder and Freya's relationship, you know what I mean? Like the end of the game, mm -hmm. if you don't get that, it's it well, just misses. And then also vice versa, if you do know Norse mythology... As soon as you see her freak out seeing the mistletoe, you're like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's a really cool foreshadow. Yeah. But you don't have to, and it will get you there. Like, the game will get you there to the points where there's significant moments. You'll know what's going on. You'll know who the characters are and what how they relate to each other. Like, the game does a very good job of telling that story. I really liked that those triptych things were, like, not out of the way very yeah. much. Like, they're pretty yeah. much put in your path because they really want you to hear that like that information you know like mm -hmm. they did the thing where you're like you're in the boat and you don't really have anything else you're just going in a straight line and it's like telling you a story you're forced to listen to that whatever but like they could have hidden a lot of information like making you go 
just through multiple rooms to get to those triptych things and they don't give you anything they're not like a collectible they did a good job of like placing them in their way so that it was easy for you to like get all of the story basically all of the background yeah i think the story overall like the journey that the characters go through they actually sort of all have conflicts that they are dealing with and interpersonal relationship difficulties and the fact that they actually like grow and change and learn throughout the story is pretty cool and it's actually a well-told story and you just don't actually see that in a lot of games yeah everything pays off they they do an amazing job with it atreus's arc is being a little bitch oh my god (laughs) look he's he's fine at the beginning and he's fine at the end but there's a point when something significant happens we won't spoil and he becomes the most pretentious cocky arrogant little shit for two straight hours (laughs) and you just want to smack his face every word that comes out of his mouth you're like oh my god you're such a shit right now shut the fuck up you kind of just want to kick him off a cliff and just you do you really really do but also it's part of the journey and it's part of him like coming to terms with growing his his story and and also he's like a teenager teenagers are little shits sometimes most times so it makes sense and it's really well done how annoying he is yeah yes yeah really they nailed it i think he nailed (laughs) they nailed a shitty petulant teenager they absolutely nailed it (laughs) yeah i mean we touched on it a little bit but you know there are collectibles in this game it is an open world game at some you know after the first hour or whatever like the game opens up hugely and you can kind of go wherever you want there's an easy path to follow. There's always a marker on your map for here's where the story is. Go that way. But if you want to, here's a giant lake with tons of cliffs to climb and, you know, treasures to find and enemies to fight. And then more than that, and also getting back to Norse mythology, you at some point get a Bifrost, and which is a big part of Norse mythology. And you travel, you can travel to the different realms. You can travel to the elf world and you can travel to Niflheim which is like this land of cursed cold mist and there you can travel to Muspelheim which is this land of fire and volcanoes and all kinds of places you can go and it's great you can explore around in terms of the collectibles I just didn't think they were super well done that being said there's not that many of them it's not like a game where you open up your map and there's just like 10,000 icons of it's not Assassin's Creed. There aren't a bajillion towers mm-hmm. to climb and uh, people to pickpocket and like, no, 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 none of that shit. I will say one of the collectibles, you can increase your health and increase your rage bar. Those are kind of cool little puzzles. So you great. have to figure out how to open the chest and it's all confined to that area. Some of them are really difficult to figure out where the fuck you're supposed to go. But they're all very doable, and they're they're fun little side things to do besides just killing enemies. Well, and there's only like there's only like six of those in the whole game, so it's like you know it's not like you're just constantly chasing after them. You're like and when you find them, you're stoked because like when you get that first portion of your health bar upgraded, it's like a significant upgrade. You get a mm-hmm. lot more health. It's yep. so worth it to seek those out. I'd say like, yeah, generally the the little chests and the collectibles and stuff on the ground are like not that interesting. When you find one of those puzzle chests, you're like, oh, hell yeah. 
it's gonna yeah. be good. The puzzle yeah, chest are great. Cool. It adds that puzzle aspect to the game and just makes another tier to the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's good for an open world game. I think to have some kind of puzzly elements to it, it keeps it fresh. So you're not just like wandering, smashing things and killing yeah. things. Yep. A cool thing I thought they did as far as like the open worldedness, because that's a thing that God of War really hasn't done before. Yeah, when you first get to the lake of the nine you can go around to like each of the towers or whatever that you can land at and you can do some stuff but then you have to go progress the main storyline and then you come back and you've unlocked more stuff and you can go deeper into each of those things and then eventually you can't go any farther and then you have to go do the main storyline again and then you come back and you've got even more like just the way they um they sort of gate kept that the entire open world was pretty cool to me. I liked that. Yeah, it's a little bit Metroid-y. Like, you you unlock a new feature for your character by the story, and then you can go and unlock new paths and, and get to places you couldn't go before. Yeah. I would also say this game does an amazing thing. When you get to a spot where you don't have the ability to be able to get through that part, it marks it on the map for you and says locked, and then you get the ability and then you know exactly where you need to go back to. Oh, okay. I saw that before. It's marked for you. You can just Super go useful. right back to that spot. You don't have to remember like every other game. Yeah, yeah. that's super useful. That's just a quality yeah. of life thing that is mm-hmm. every yeah, game great. should put that in. Every 100%. developers, mm-hmm. if you're listening, put that <laughs> in your game. It's amazing. Yeah, and I like honestly, I enjoyed the traversal in the world. Like, I enjoyed boating around. I enjoyed the climbing sections are fun. I think there's a few too many of them. Like by the end of the game, you're like, all right, well, just let me get to the goddamn top of the mountain. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> kicking kicking a chain down and climbing down automatically. Oh, uh, yes. I have only a couple gripes with this game. One, stories ending if you get on the beach, and two. Like there's areas that you can get to and you can kick down a pile of chains, which is like a shortcut that'll allow you to like climb back up to somewhere that you couldn't get to earlier. And when you kick down the chain, which you're doing so that you're like, okay, later I'll be able to climb that up. He just immediately gets on the chain and starts climbing down. Yep. Every No, time. Kratos. Why? No. <laughs> I would like to continue going the way I was going. I was just opening the shortcut for later. Stop it. <laughs> yeah it, it, it's dumb my little traversal gripe is the jumping mechanic so in previous god of war games you had a jump button you could just jump mm-hmm. whenever you wanted and in this game you can only jump in certain places and yeah. it's like what it's what is the point you can't miss the jump because it's like a, it's like a cinematic thing basically it's like yep stand in this location press the jump button all right you just jump it doesn't matter how far it is you just automatically make it like right yeah it's they just totally removed platforming from the game like you cannot fall off a ledge which honestly is great at a lot of points in the game like you fight enemies on really narrow stuff Mm -hmm. and you're just like thank god i can't you know if i roll out of the way i don't just fall to my death and have to start over I think I wanted to ask, did anybody play this on the PS4 or did we all play it on yeah, PC I did. slash PS5? When it came out. I played out. it on the PS4. Uh, yeah, we should also say the reason that we're reviewing this game now, even though it came out in 2018, is because it just released on PC. I was playing on my TV downstairs with the full surround sound and it's absolutely insane. The graphics, the sound, the controller, everything. It's so it's well an experience. blended together. Speaking of sound... Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Speaking of sound, you want to tell us about the music, Chris? Can we talk about music? Yeah. 
music in this game is incredible. It was composed by a guy named Bear McCreary, and people will know Bear McCreary. He's very famous from a lot of his TV work. He did tons of music for Battlestar Galactica, The Walking Dead, Outlander, tons of other TV shows, tons of movies. Um, he's done some video game stuff before he did like one of the Call of Duty games and one of the SOCOM games, I think. But this is like the first like like really major AAA thing that he's done. This game won a ton of awards for its soundtrack, like original score for sound design, for choral arrangements, whatever. So the music in the game is heavily drawn from like Norse folk music, like traditional folk music, and really relies heavily on choral arrangements so like the main theme to the game is this really like deep male choral arrangement reminds me a lot of that one scene in pirates of the caribbean where the skeleton guys are like walking on the bottom of the water if you Mm -hmm. listen to them like like back to back it's actually really similar it's kind of funny but it's just like this really like hard hitting sort of deep like growly yeah 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 it's really cool and it really it fits the game really well mccreary said that he spent like months listening to just sort of like viking folk music to try to one get the sound right because he didn't want to because this game departs so radically from the themes of the previous game like leaving the greek pantheon behind and and moving to the norse one he didn't want to reuse any of the sounds from the previous game or like really any of the arrangements even like the title music and stuff he wanted to be completely different so he worked really hard to to like get sort of the theme right but then also get instrumentation right so there's a bunch of really weird norse like traditional folk instruments in this in the soundtrack that people will probably never have heard of my two favorites are called the nickel harpa so what it looks like is a fat violin with you know like the inside of a piano that have like the hammers like rotted hammers like that you play those with your fingers with your left hand and use a violin bow across the other hand and you have to hold it sitting down so it looks like you're kind of like holding your guitar so it's a guitar Uh, hero guitar yeah (laughs) and and honestly it basically sounds like a violin (laughs) but it's got some particular like some particular uses that make it really stand out in a couple of the in a couple of the songs and then the other one is called the hurdy-gurdy which is the best name of all time a hurdy-gurdy is also looks kind of like a fat violin but the way you play it was a hand crank on one side um which basically acts as a violin bow that just moves automatically when you do the hand crank and then you play it like a um what's that thing a pedal steel so it's like a a lap guitar that you play with your hand sliding across the fretboard it's really cool Um, cool so uh those things are all over those and many other norse sort of traditional instruments are all over the soundtrack and they are just excellent every character has their own sort of theme every one of the the different realms has their own theme which is really cool yeah i i honestly would say if you listen to the score of this game it is indistinguishable against any blockbuster movie like this this is a fucking yeah. well done score full symphony and yeah that's McCreary's background. He does movies and TV and like big time like blockbuster movies and TV. Yeah. And there are yeah. some qui- there are some quiet moments in this game. This is a thing that Breath of the Wild did so well is that there are parts where it's 
just dead silent. And like the only sound is your footsteps through a forest or whatever, or like the sound of the boat going through the water and like your oar hitting the water and Atreus maybe talking or telling a story or whatever. Like they do such a good job of pulling back from the score in this game um, that that very few games get right, in my opinion. But these guys did. Yeah, 100%. In terms of comparing this to other similar games in the open world genre, I think the combat in this game is unmatched in open world games. I think the story is the best story I've played in an open world game, but I have not played uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. So I, I can't compare to that, and I've heard that game has an incredible story. Also, I would say uh, this this game doesn't get bogged down by, by a bunch of side quests. I think there's like, what, six side quests in this entire game? Yeah, if that. And there's not a bunch of side quests of like, oh, I lost my three rings. Will you go to the field and right. find them for yeah. me? It's yeah. And it's not like, oh, go to this town and kill 20 goblins. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, not, there's no bullshit like that. Like all yeah. the side quests have a story behind them and a reason that you're doing them. Yeah. And they feel significant and interesting. It's not Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild where there's a thousand side quests and they mean nothing to the game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they literally don't build anything to the main main yeah. game. <laughs> I will say the best side thing in this entire game is in the end game, you fight these Valkyries. So you have to oh fight. Oh my god, I can't believe we almost forgot to talk about the Valkyries. <laughs> so there's eight Valkyries in total. These yeah. boss fights are some of the best Dark Souls bosses I've ever fought. Like, mechanically, yeah. you can learn all the moves, and you have to, to be able to beat them. And it's very fair, but holy shit, they are difficult. They are not easy. They, they kill you in, like, two or three hits. And mm-hmm. so it's... But each Valkyrie only has, like, four different moves. Five moves, maybe. And so you just, you have to learn those moves and learn how to deal with them, how to dodge them, block them, parry them, whatever. And you have to be damn near perfect to beat them. Like you really have to get that groove going and know exactly what's happening. And they're very, very hard to beat, but they're so satisfying when you beat them. Everyone feels like a real accomplishment. And each one you get like way better gear. It's a huge upgrade and it's really cool to see what you get. And then... They added a fun little thing. It's once you beat all eight, you place all their helmets around this council and then you fight the main one. The queen Valkyrie has the moveset of every Valkyrie you fought before and you have to just deal with that. And she has twice the health. Instead of five different moves, (laughs) it's 40 different moves. And and then, yeah, she has a huge health bar and to beat her is... One of my proudest accomplishments in gaming, and I have done it twice. Uh, I played <laughs> through this whole game once and like 100% at everything. And then I replayed this game for this podcast because I, I enjoyed it so much. And I wanted to remind myself and see all the cool shit again. And I definitely beat all the Valkyries and the Valkyrie Queen again. She is no joke, but she is great. Oh, man, I was watching you do it. And that one where you were like a slither away from her health and she killed you. Oh, <laughs> oh so that was tragic. the most brutal. You missed an axe throw. Did you? In? <laughs> yeah. Was, she was, she was at the tiniest bit of health and she goes up for this move and I'm like, oh, if I just hit her with this axe, she'll drop to the ground and I can kill her. And I threw it and it like, it must have swung and gone right <laughs> past her head and over her shoulder. I was like, no. 
I love when games put in like significant post game stuff yeah. like yeah. that. Highly recommend if you beat this game, go around and give the Valkyries a shot. They're all very, very fun. So yeah, so this game is 20 bucks for the PS4. It's free if you own a PS5 because you can download it as part of like the Masterpiece Collection or whatever. And then it's 50 bucks on PC. Let's let's go around in our uh, in our order. Uh, would you recommend this game at those prices? I will start with myself. Absolutely, this game is worth fifty dollars. This game was worth sixty dollars when it came out. I think this is truly, truly one of the finest examples of a damn near perfectly crafted video game. This game is probably in my top ten video games of all time. I, I think this game is just excellent in every aspect. I mean, we talked about it: story, combat open world mechanics, graphics, music. It's just super, super fun and super, super well done. Yeah, I completely agree. $50, completely worth it. I I would say on PC, maybe wait a little bit. It's probably going to drop a little bit, but definitely play this game if you're at all interested on playing Ragnarok because this game 100% leads into it. Like there's a cliffhanger where you see... ending of it like there's oh huge spoiler alert that is that is 100% getting edited out of the episode it's a must especially if you're gonna play Ragnarok but I alone I just think it's one of the best games one of the best story driven RPGs I've seen in a long time well I'm like an hour into the game and I 100% (laughs) (laughs) I would recommend this game to anyone and everyone that would is interested because I'm enjoying the freaking hell out of it. Everything about it's been fantastic so far. I can't wait to finish the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in agreement with everyone. Uh, I think it's significant that although this game is a sequel and part of a pretty long series of games, that it really stands on its own. Um, and that is, you know, a testament to, you know, sort of the reinvention with the Norse mythology and stuff. You don't have to have played God of War 1, 2, and 3 or any of the spinoffs to understand the story or the background in this game it is given to you it's extremely extremely well done i'm really happy that they are reinventing the series because it was always one of my favorites you know when i was 12 13 whenever the first one came out can't wait for ragnarok later this year all right well that's gonna do it for us here at hidden doors and high scores Next time, we are going to be talking about Elden Ring, the hugely anticipated successor to the Dark Souls games by From Software and uh, written by George R.R. Martin. So excited to talk about this game. I've been playing a little bit and we're going to play so much more. We'll talk I've been to you. playing a little bit. He says, go check your Steam. You got five times as many <laughs> hours as I do. <laughs> That's a rage fest, okay? Rage fest. Um, all right, yeah. So we'll be talking about that next time. Until next time, I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. I'm John. And I'm Chris. You can find us at HDHS Gaming on every social media platforms. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for notifications about episode releases. And check us out on Twitch to see what we're going to be playing and talking about. Spoiler alert, it's Elden Ring. Uh, All those links and a link to our Discord will be in the show notes for this episode. Uh, Come join us on Discord. Send us questions, comments. Did you like God of War? Are you excited for Ragnarok? Also, we hang out and play games there like every night in our voice channel, and we like it when people join us and play games with us. That's it. That's all I got. Keep tippling those dabs. Oh, yeah.
Oh, I keep dipping this bad. <laughs>